0: Tonight is study number seventeen of Revelation chapter thirteen and we're continuing to look into verse ten. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And we're looking at the last part of the verse, which again says here is the patience and the faith of the saints, and we Looked at the word patience and the word that it's derived from. We've seen how it points to maintaining faithfulness to the word of God, keeping under, continuing, abiding under the word of God. But why is God identifying the faith of the saints with the great tribulation period like he does here? And actually more than that, the very same Thing is said concerning the day of judgment in Revelation chapter 14. And if we would read Revelation 14, we're, we're not going to read much of it, but uh, just as Revelation 13's context is clearly established as the great tribulation, Revelation 14, the very next chapter, has its context established as Judgment Day. For instance, in verse 10, The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Verse 11, And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night, who worship the beast in his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Now now look at verse 12 of Revelation 14. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. It, it's very similar to Revelation 13 statement. At the end of the verse, here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And where Revelation 13, that statement is in the midst of a chapter completely devoted to the Great Tribulation. The preceding verses in Revelation 13, all about the beast, all about Satan's loosing, the judgment that comes upon the church, the the giving up of the unsaved inhabitants of the earth to worship the beast. And what follows after verse 10? In Revelation 13, verse 11, And I beheld another beast, Then an image is made to the beast. And and God goes into detail concerning those that worship the image of the beast and those that do not, they're killed. And uh, again, the whole chapter of Revelation 13 is the Great Tribulation. The, The verses leading up to verse 10, the verses following verse 10, It's focused on the Great Tribulation, and then that one verse is inserted right in the midst. And that is the same pattern that we see in chapter 14, where the context is Judgment Day. We read verse 10 and 11. Well, look at verse 14 of Revelation 14. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, thrust in thy sickle and reap for the time has come for thee to reap for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And it goes on verse 16, 17, 18, 19. It's, it's all language of judgment day, the reaping of the wicked, the, and being cast into the wrath of the wine press of the wrath of God. And in between, in the midst, verse 12, here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Why does God uh, give these verses in the context that he did we know in verse 10 that this is indicating God's people will go through the great tribulation and it will be a severe trial to them. And, and they must exercise tremendous patience through Christ and also faith. Likewise, um, Revelation fourteen twelve is letting it be known that here, is the patience of the saints in the day of judgment. It, it's strong proof that the people of God will be on the earth living through the day of judgment. And and just like um, some theologians thought that the, the true believers would be raptured pre-trib, well, just about all theologians thought that the true believers would be raptured pre-judgment, that God would not have his people remain on the earth while the judgment was underway. And, and yet that's a correction. That's something we've learned as part of the righteous revelation of the judgment of God concerning his end time program. Well, again, uh, we've looked at patience, but why the emphasis on faith. Here is the faith of the saints in the great tribulation, and also Revelation fourteen twelve. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So faith is strongly put forth; it's strongly stressed, and and God is commending His people, and He's saying that here in the great tribulation and here in the day of judgment are um evidence it, it's it's um an, an illustration of the faith of the saints the faith of the elect but why well of course it's possibly due and probably uh, partly due to the severe testing of our faith in both um in both instances during the great tribulation God's people were tested and and during this time of course God's people are tested and so it's a fiery trial of faith yes that's true and and um yet uh, there's more than this there's something else there's a, also another reason why God is speaking of the faith of the saints concerning the judgment on the church, the Great Tribulation in chapter 13, and the judgment on the world in chapter 14. And I think the reason for this can be seen when we turn to Matthew chapter 21. Let's go over to Matthew 21, and I'll start reading in verse 18. And there it says, Now in the morning, as he returned into the city, he hungered. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only, and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforward forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also, if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. Well, This is a curious passage, Um, as many things in the Bible are curious that God has said and God has done. Well, this is one of them, where Christ, who is hungered, sees a fig tree in the way. He approaches it, but there is no fruit, only leaves, and so he curses the fig tree, so that no fruit will grow on the tree forever. He pronounces an eternal curse on the fig tree. Now, that's, of course, um, it's just not a natural thing to do, to be so disappointed that you pronounce an eternal curse that no fruit grow on a fig tree. No, Jesus didn't do that because he was disappointed in his hunger. But he did it to teach, a um, spiritual truth, a very important spiritual truth. And then he goes on to say, when the disciples saw it and they marveled and, and they mentioned how soon as the fig tree withered away, Jesus uses the cursing of that fig tree as a platform to say, verily I say unto you, if ye have faith, and doubt not ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, "Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. all right, now Christ is saying, "I curse the fig tree, and if you have faith, you his disciples will also curse a fig tree, but not only that. You will, in addition, say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea, and it shall be done. And we we need to see that, that Christ cursed the fig tree, but he's saying, so will you curse a fig tree. Again, it's not stated like that. But if you have faith, he shall not only do this, which is done. So you will do this, but not only that. And that's why, but also, which means something else. So the disciples will likewise curse a fig tree and something else. They will say to the mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. And we wonder, what's the point of this? And and we can see why people get frustrated with the Bible. It's uh, an interesting thing. It's an incredible thing for a man to curse a fig tree and for it to wither away presently right before people's eyes. And yes, that, that shows power and yet uh it, it's just a tree. But the tree represented national Israel. And when Christ cursed the fig tree, he was in effect. Ending God's relationship with national Israel, who had been the representative of the kingdom of God to the people of the earth for centuries. And, and now though the time had come and this would be confirmed once the Lord Jesus went to the cross and the veil of the temple was written to, it would signal the end of that relationship, the divorce, of Israel as the outward representation of God's kingdom to the people of the world. And then God would identify with the New Testament churches throughout the church age. But Jesus cursed the fig tree. No longer would Israel uh, have that relationship with God as the people of God. They were no longer the holy people. And there would be no fruit from that point on forever. Because God wasn't there. He had left Israel. He had abandoned it. Therefore, there would be no salvation within Israel or the religion of Judaism. And, and that continues up until today. If, if people go to a synagogue now or a hundred years ago or any point since Christ cursed the fig tree, and if they listen, To the Old Testament, as the Jews believe the Old Testament. That's the word of God, isn't it? Yes. And and they could have someone give a good message on an Old Testament passage. And couldn't God save them in the synagogue? No. No. Because there was a curse pronounced against them. An eternal curse that no fruit would grow on the fig tree. Picturing national Israel forever and, and therefore there was no salvation in their synagogues or in the Jewish worship system over the course of the New Testament era because God had left them and entered into the midst of the churches and that's where salvation was to take place and never again within Israel. That, that is the curse let jesus pronounce but then see jesus is saying to the disciples the true believers the elect that when they marveled that the fig tree withered away of course they're looking at the the literal tree they uh, had no idea that that tree pictured israel itself and 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 so they're marveling And then in verse 21 of Matthew 21, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, I say unto you, if ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree. Now the fig tree represented Israel. But who does Israel represent? Israel is used time and again in so many places, I don't know if we can number them, as a type and a figure of the New Testament churches and congregations. And, And so Christ cursed national Israel, but since he was on the earth at that time, when God's judgment came upon them, and he instituted the New Testament church age, but God also had a plan that at the end of the church age, he would come to visit to see if the churches were faithful, just like after, um, so many hundreds of years, he came to visit Israel and, and they were unfaithful. So God judged them. He, he left them and never again would they bear fruit. Well, at the time of the end, it was God's plan after giving that space of almost 2,000 years. Exactly, it was 1955 years from 33 AD when the church age began until its conclusion in 1988 AD. And then God came and in spirit, he saw the high places of the church, their failure to uh, faithfully uphold his word. And he pronounced the judgment. He loosed Satan to come against uh, the camp of the saints. And at that point, um the Holy Spirit came out of the midst. The Lord Jesus left the church just like he had left Israel many centuries before. But but notice he's speaking to the believers and he's saying, Now I cursed the fig tree and it withered away. And and when something withers it means it dries up and something dries up because there's no water so there's um, no water of the gospel because Christ is that water the spirit of god is that water and and when he leaves you have no water you have a dry thing just like a branch only good for burning and and likewise when god left the church it withered away but the lord left it because he wasn't on the earth as he was in 33 AD and and for the years prior, he wasn't physically on the earth. So the Lord left the information in his word. He sealed it up till the time of the end for his people to find as God uncovered it, unsealed it and showed it to them. He opened their understanding to the fact that Judgment began at the house of God that the the churches had fallen away. There was a a great apostasy and God's judgment was upon them. And now they would curse the fig tree as the Lord opened up this information to their um, ability to understand. And remember, he, he said in Daniel, the wise will understand, but none of the wicked will understand. And he said in Ecclesiastes 8, A wise man's heart discerneth both time and judgment. And and so the Lord opened up his people's ability to discern these things through the word of God. It it was all hidden in the scripture. And God took the covering off. and, And there it was, plain as day for the people of God to see especially through the book of Jeremiah. Uh, oh, uh, there it is. The Babylonians represent uh, Satan's kingdom. Judah is the church. And God commands to go into captivity and, and so forth. In Matthew 24, the abomination of desolation is in the holy place, the church. And when you see it, flee Judah, the church, and go to the mountains to the word of God. And and so God's people began to see it and proclaim it and, most importantly, believe it. They believed it. They didn't see the church physically desolated. They didn't see all the churches pulled down and not one stone left upon another that way. But it was through the eyes of faith, through the reading of the Bible, they began to see and believe and to trust that this was so. And they doubted not. Now, now let me ask you, I know true believers um, listen to these studies. And let me ask you, how sure are you that the church age is over? How sure are you that God is judging the churches and congregations of the world? And I know there's many true believers have zero doubt. There's no doubt about it. When we take the information from the Bible and we see all the biblical evidence and then having um that prism to look through, we look at the condition of the churches of the world. We see the tremendous falling away from truth in every denomination across the board. And there is no doubt about it. And and that's what Jesus is saying here. I Verily or truthfully, I say unto you, if ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do which is done to the fig tree. Okay, that's the first thing you're going to do, the, the people of God, because as we see these things, as we share these things, What are we telling people? God has left the church. And is he ever coming back? No. No, he's never going back to the church. Therefore, it is an eternal curse that has been pronounced against the church just like an eternal curse was pronounced against national Israel, the fig tree. And we, by faith, are God's instruments for doing the same thing to the church. Has there been any fruit that has grown upon the fig tree of the church since the great tribulation began and judgment began at the house of God? No, no fruit has grown on it henceforward and forever. It, it is void of fruit. There has been no one saved within any congregation since the very beginning of the Great Tribulation. The moment the Holy Spirit left and Satan entered in. There, there, of course, there couldn't be salvation. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But God, the Holy Spirit, has to open up the ears of the hearer so that they can become saved. And if he's absent, he can't open up their ears. Well, there's the first part of what Jesus is saying. Verily I say unto you, if ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do what, uh, do this, which is done to the fig tree, but also. Now that, that's a couple of huge words, but the conjunction, but also. Something else, something further, something greater christ cursed the fig tree and you will match that you you will do what i have done jesus has said but also in addition there will be something else that you will do by faith and and uh something more than i did when the fig tree withered away well Lord willing when we get together in our next bible study we'll we'll look into that and we'll we'll think what is this mountain that christ is referring to being removed and cast into the sea what could that represent thanks for joining us for e-bible fellowship's evening bible studies